Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today. If ever you're watching or listening from, this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that is listed. If you join us for the first time, hey, let me catch you up on where we've been so far in the book of Daniel. We started this journey all the way back in early January with Daniel chapter 1. And we learned that when the culture shifts, we need to be firmly rooted in our faith. And then in Daniel chapter 2, we saw how God's kingdom will rule long past the kingdoms of this world. It's never going to end. We split Daniel 3 into uh, two parts, learning about you know, the battle over worship in part 1 and the trust that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had for God in part number 2. We turned the page over to Daniel chapter 4, and then we walked through or walked away knowing that we need to uh, walk in humility to avoid living in the insanity of pride. And then last time, we wrapped up Daniel 5 with a look at you know, God riding on the wall in the Babylonian king's palace. And we learned about some you know, warning signs that we don't need to ignore really for our own lives. And that brings us all to Daniel chapter 6. Now, this is the last narrative in the book of Daniel. So from chapter 7 on, we're going to get into the prophetic and the end times theology, something that's called eschatology, which means the study of last things. This division makes Daniel a very unique book. The first six chapters are full of stories. The last six are actually full of prophecy. So we're going to split Daniel 6 into two parts like we did Daniel 3. And the reason I want us to do that is because I think we need to walk through the strong character that Daniel possessed. Well, one thing we just haven't really done yet in this teaching series is just talk about the kind of person that Daniel actually was. So uh, from the first few verses of Daniel 6, we actually really get a pretty good picture of what his character looks like. Check this out. Daniel 6, verse number 1. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and the high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, I like how the NIV actually phrases it. It says, because of his exceptional qualities, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him with. He was faithful, he was always responsible, and he was completely trustworthy. So let's stop right here. And we'll get to what happens to Daniel uh, later on in part two next time. But, but let's just stop and focus on his character. You know, he's been synonymous with exceptional character and quality for centuries. He's one of the first people which often comes to mind whenever the word integrity is mentioned. Uh, Darius has plans to place him along with two other folks in charge of the 120 officials whose sole responsibility is to govern the provinces that they're in. And what makes Daniel's promotion really unique is that he's not Persian. 
He's not Babylonian. He, he's a Jewish exile. You know, Daniel commands influence in, in, in two different empires and cultures despite belonging to a conquered people. And it's not like this happened all the time in ancient history, but I can't think of many other instances where this kind of thing actually did happen. So how did Daniel do it? Well, he, he influenced each ruler, not by force or intellect or skill or diplomacy. He influenced the rulers that he served and the culture he was a part of by living a life defined with some exceptional qualities. And so these qualities were, were so high, they made it virtually impossible for Daniel's enemies to find any kind of fault within him. They couldn't point to like an addiction problem or disloyalty or dishonesty or any number of negative qualities because Daniel just didn't embody them. He, he, he wasn't perfect, of course, you know, but he lived his life in such a way and they couldn't find anything to criticize him with. And as we're going to see, you know, next week and next time, as it, it meant they had to isolate Daniel based on his faith and not his character in order to track him. So the big question, of course, is what were these qualities that Daniel had, right? And, and, and can we possess them as well? So let's first start with this basic concept that every person who follows the Lord really should be embracing. You are God's plan A for reaching your world. That's right. There's no plan B, your plan A. That's it. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. We plead, come back to God. Ephesians 3.10 tells us that God's purpose for his church is to use us to display his wisdom. We are whom God is going to use to reach a world that is apart from him. Look at another passage of 2 Corinthians. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 3.17. For the Lord is spirit, and whenever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit, he makes us more and more like him. And we are changed into his glorious image. God desires for each person to experience freedom. And the crazy thing is he chooses each of us to reach people around in our social circles and our communities. We reflect the glory of God as we're changed more and more into the likeness of Christ. So here's what all this means for us here today. As a follower of Christ, you actually become attractive. So as you reflect the glory of God, as you live a life of high character and integrity, people are actually drawn to you, and then they're drawn to the Spirit of God who is at work within you. And this is what drew these different rulers to, to Daniel. It wasn't that Daniel was a so much as, uh, you know, it wasn't Daniel as so much as God working through him, okay? So he, he, he was a reflection of the glory of God, of the likeness of God in his life. Revelation actually contains a really great picture of God's glory. There's a scene described both in Revelation chapter 4 and in Ezekiel chapter 1, which show the glory of God, and, and it looks like this. So Revelation 4, verse number 6 and 7, in the center and around the throne were four living beings, and each was covered with eyes front and back. And the first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Check out Ezekiel. He sees a very similar type of, of vision. He's in exile too, by the way, in Babylon at the exact same time that Daniel is. And he sees four very similar looking creatures in his own vision. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse number 10. He says, each had a human face uh, in the front and the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle at the back. He goes on to say in verse 28, this is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. 
So there's a lot of discussion among scholars about these different types of creatures, but, but Ezekiel tells us this is what the glory of God looked like to him. John sees a very similar thing in Revelation. So what can these four creatures who represent the, the, the glory of God tell us about the work of God's Spirit within our own lives? Well, I think they represent four exceptional qualities that the Lord has, that, that, that Daniel had, and that's reflected in the lives of those of us who follow Jesus. So the first creature had the face of an ox, which shows the face of a servant. Think about the role oxen played in Scripture. You know, oxen were working hard, tilling and plowing the land. They worked in teams together. They were used as sacrifices for the sins of other people as well. Um, And ox's purpose, the whole purpose, was really to serve. Listen to how Jesus even describes himself and, and why he even came in Matthew chapter 20. He says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Everything Jesus did was with others in mind and with you, know, with you in mind. He poured his life out. He had an exceptional quality of servanthood. Daniel was a servant. You know, not just in the literal sense. It, it was really his posture. Like he served. He served so well. He was kept in multiple administrations in two different empires and placed in positions of authority. The original language in our text and Daniel conveys the idea that he was looking out for you know the king's interests. Uh, but even beyond that, that he actually the king never suffered loss with Daniel in charge. So like he served others so well, the king never never lost anything. And that's not natural, by the way, right? Like, it's against human nature to serve and put other people first. We're inclined to look out for us. Survival, man, right? Like one of the first things you teach your kids when they're small uh, are are know and share. (laughs) And the reason is our kids are operating under survival instincts at a very early age. They're doing what comes natural. And what comes natural is selfishness. Like looking out for me. Like I'm number one. And the good news is that anybody can make the decision to change and start serving. It may not be natural, but it's not difficult to start doing. It, it can even be something as small as grabbing coffee for your coworkers. Whatever you choose to do, know that when you begin to serve, you begin to build influence in people's lives. And you build goodwill, and people are attracted to that quality. And here's where this can lead. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Even though I'm free, uh, a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Paul was saying he willingly serves to win as many folks to Christ as he can. So stark contrast to how the rest of the world lives, right? If you want to stand out, posting about your faith on social media just doesn't really cut it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it doesn't win people. It's it's these attractive qualities that God's Spirit brings out in us, like serving, which bring about that kind of influence. The second creature uh, had the face of a man, which could represent a number of of different things. But I think in terms of exceptional qualities, we're here, you got to think about, you know, the face of love. One of the premier signs we're living near the end is not all the stuff you see in the news. I mean, you see a lot on TV, but but that's not it. It's actually what Christ describes uh, will happen in Matthew 24, 12. The love of many will grow cold. We live in a world 
that has just certainly gone cold, right? Like never in my life have I seen so much animosity that we're seeing today. The algorithms on our social platforms, they reward rage. They, re they reward conflict, which stirs negative emotions within us. We're told to love people like us, hate people who aren't like us. And, and this really makes it easier than ever, I think, too, to stand out and gain influence simply by loving other people. Here's the reality. People don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. It's great you can tell me all the stories in the Bible. It's great you can memorize scripture. It's great that you got a discussion uh, of theological concepts that you can have with people. Uh, that's all good. But your neighbor wants to know if you care about the difficult time their family is having. Your classmates want to know if you care about the struggles they're mired in. Your family wants to know if you care about their hopes and their dreams. People want to know you care first, and then they'll start to care about what you know. I don't think it's a coincidence that God operates in a similar manner. You ever notice that God doesn't change you first before bringing you into his kingdom? Like salvation is not like this kind of like, hey, drop this and change that and believe this thing over here and then you're good, you know? Like what God desires first is to have your heart above all else. He wants you home. He wants you in his arms, man. Like he'll take care of all the other stuff later. I once knew a guy gave his life to Christ, and for a while he would start conversations like, you know, I was talking to, to God you know, about a buddy of mine that I was hanging out with at the bar, and, or, or like, hey, you know, I was lighting up and felt God speak to me, <laughs> which, you know, like, I mean, that is not the picture of a Jesus follower, right? Like, you don't think of that. And I would never endorse, you know, getting high and drinking and those types of things, okay? But those changes did not come overnight with this guy. They did, however, come over time. And over time, he stopped all that. His life began to change. How he lived and interacted with folks began to change. And that's because God wants your heart first. And then once he has you, he starts a transformation process. At Radiant, we want every person to know God, but we don't stop there. We want you to find freedom too. And that's what happens in this process of becoming like Jesus. You know, God begins to, to free us and to change us. And we need to have just a love for others, man, the way that God loves us. Jesus gives a new command for us to follow in John chapter 13. He actually says this, John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. The love we have for each other, as in other Christians here in this context, other believers, proves to the world that we're followers of Christ. Churches can be some of the meanest places with the nastiest people and the most horrific conflicts, can't they? But that's not God's plan. God's plan is for us to love each other so much, to care for each other so much, to be there for each other, to, to have community, that it sends a strong message to the rest of the world that we belong to Jesus. And this love, this unity, which unites together people who have no business even being together on paper anyway, it's real. But a third creature, third creature is an eagle, represents the face of respect. 
I don't know if you've seen an eagle before or not, especially bald eagles, but man, they are breathtaking. We used to live near Charleston and we would see bald eagles fly around the intracoastal on our way to the beach from time to time. And they're just majestic. And the way they soar while other birds you know, fly, how they catch their prey, which, which in our case, you know, fish being near the coast, it was just a sight to see. Respect, man, it's, it, it's not given. Respect is earned. It's not something you're born with. It's not something you can command by virtue of position or title or degree any longer. You have to earn every bit of respect. Without respect, you don't have influence. It's a necessity if you want to influence and impact people around you. So how do you earn respect? How do you earn it? Well, you earn respect when you do a few things right. So first, live up to your principles. There's an old saying, a man is only as good as his word. And that's really true. You're only as good as the promises you keep. But really, it goes further. If you value something, if you believe in something, you need to live up to it. So most of our public figures are not held in high regard in our culture. Why? Because, well, they don't stand for anything. They're wishy-washy. They, they, they don't have principles. They change with public opinion and polls or whatever's trending. And they have very little, if any, values that they hold on to. You can be well-known, you can be successful and not respected. So live up to the principles and the values that you espouse. And for Christians, it means live out your faith. Live what you believe. Live the, the same in public as you do in private and people will respect you. Now here's, here's the second thing you want to do well. Uh, do things well. Do things well. I, I don't have much respect for somebody if their house is out of order. If I drive up and you've got junk in your yard and the house is falling apart and it's not a renovation project, okay? Uh, I, I don't have much respect for you. I don't have respect if you're not on time. I don't have respect if you miss meetings. I don't have respect if you miss appointments. I don't have respect if you can't, uh, if you have a carefree kind of attitude towards everything around you. I, I don't have respect for folks like that. You know, at Radiant, we are striving hard to do things well. We've got a long way to go to get where I want us to be, the level I want us to operate at. And, and that's okay. Like, we're, we're, not, we're not flashing the pan. We're in this for the long haul. We're playing the long game. And that means we're building this whole thing piece by piece and brick by brick. And that goes for our online presence right now that you're, you're watching through or listening through. That's why our legacy offering in November, um, it was geared so much towards facility improvements. Hey, we, we raised $15,000 to get things moving in the right direction. Had to replace HVAC units, which were long overdue for replacement. We had to fix and repaint the exterior of both our buildings. In the spring, uh, we're gonna work on landscaping because when you drive up here, I want you to drive up and see something you can be proud of, man, which looks well done. Like we actually give a care. So eventually we'll start making interior improvements and we'll do more for our online presence and platform. But, you know, here's the thing. We believe this, that you should use what God has given you to the best of your ability. And as you're faithful, God's going to give you more, right? He'll give you more. And you say, okay, well, that's great for you guys. What about me? You know, right? Okay, well, we'll start by having a car that's clean. <laughs> start with that. Keep your house in order. Be on time. Stay organized. Keep your word. That's how you begin to earn respect, and as you earn respect, you gain influence. It's not about some, you know, kind of, this is not some self-help kind of teaching point. I really want you to see this. Let's go to Matthew 5 real quick. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. Now, what does salt do? It makes everything better, right? Salt makes things better. But what good is salt? It has lost its flavor. 
Can you really make it salty again? Nope. It's going to be thrown out and trampled on underfoot as worthless. You know, salt has a use. And its job is to make things better. Look at verse 14. You're the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds, let your good works, let your life, right, shine out for all to see so everyone will praise your heavenly Father. How you conduct yourself and how you live has a direct link to the influence you wield. If you want to bring people to Jesus, you want to influence folks like Daniel did, you have to live in such a way that you earn respect. Fourth and final creature had the face of a lion, which represents the face of boldness. Daniel was bold. He, he wasn't obnoxious, he wasn't rude or forceful or conniving, but he was bold. And that's one of the qualities that God's Spirit brings out in us. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked run away when no one's chasing them, but the godly, man, they're as bold as lions. Matthew 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he asks who are people saying that he is, right? And he gets responses like, well, some folks think you're John the Baptist or Elijah or some other prophet that's kind of come back from the dead. And so he asks, okay, okay, fine. But what do you, you know, who do you say I am? And without hesitation, Peter speaks up and he says, well, you're the son of God. And listen to how Jesus responds to Peter. Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I'll build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Hell can't stop the body of Christ. We're going to be bold in our faith. And that boldness doesn't mean we become aggressive or agitators or like whatever. It, it, it means that we proclaim truth and we model grace and we do it without apology. See, we're to respond to a hostile culture by living in the balance of these two extremes of grace and truth. Grace says that we're, we're all in need of a second chance. Truth says the only way I get grace is if I find Jesus. Grace says we're all sinners, no sins greater than the other. Truth says, well, we can't call sin okay and be fine with it. Grace says, well, you know, hey, we're not going to condemn you for your sin. Uh, truth says, well, okay, that's fine, but you have to leave your life of sin. See, Daniel was full of grace and truth, and, and most of the kings he served, they thought highly of him. Belshazzar kind of being the lone example here, or exception. And they thought highly enough to place him in charge of their court. They valued him. Daniel, for his part, he never shied away from proclaiming truth when he had to do it. He didn't always enjoy it. Like we see that a couple of times in the interactions with Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't always enjoy dispensing truth. But he knew that he had to proclaim truth when it came. And Jesus lived the same way. In fact, John 1.14 tells us that he was full of both grace and truth. That he came with grace because we all need a savior. And he came with truth because it's the only thing which can set us free. Four exceptional qualities the Spirit of God draws out in us as we're being changed like him. Servanthood, love, respect, and boldness. And when you allow God to change you and develop you with those qualities, man, you can wield influence in a culture that's running hard in the opposite direction. You can develop character and integrity that's so strong, no one will fault you for it or find fault within you. And you can live the kind of life Daniel lived and reach people for the Lord in the process. 
We pray for you here today. Father, I love you. Thank you for each person watching and listening right now. God, I pray that you help us to uh, live lives marked by service, marked, God, by love, marked by respect and boldness. Develop those qualities within our hearts. Help us, God, to be people like, like Daniel, like your son Jesus, who live in the balance of grace and truth so we can reach a world that's running hard in the opposite direction, running hard away from you. May we gain influence and wield that influence, Lord, as Daniel did, to proclaim the truth that people need to hear, but the grace they also need to experience. And I pray, Lord, that as we do those things and we walk in the footsteps of a guy like Daniel, walk in the footsteps of someone like Jesus, Lord, we would begin to see people's hearts turn to you, drawn to you, and lives changed. We love you and we thank you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.